You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Hey, welcome to the program. It is that week. Uh, And I would like to say it's that week because it's Thanksgiving. But it's also an extra treat there on the dining room table because it's Alabama and Auburn. This Saturday at Jordan-Hare Stadium, 2.30 CBS kickoff. That'll be a real treat. Lars, I know that you and I get very, very jacked up when it comes to Thanksgiving. It's our favorite holiday. First of all, we'll talk about that all week long and our favorite sides and dishes and how we like our turkey. But uh, first of all, let's just recap your weekend. How did it go? It was the game, uh, right? Yeah, it was an amazing experience uh, with with my kids. And uh, I want to hear about your experience as well with uh, going with uh, the Bama broker, Laura Lee Thompson, and her husband. And uh, and this, uh, I want to get your full game day experience. I know we've got Nick Saban coming to the podium here any second. But um, we decided to, and, and Noah, just give us a notification when, when he's up and ready. But um, sort of last second, uh, my kids at first, I thought we were going to go. And then uh, Robbie, our, our friend, uh, was kind enough to give me his tickets. And then, um, uh, and then, sorry, I just got distracted here. And then my kids said, no, we don't want to go. And they were adamant about it. So gave the tickets back, gave the tickets back to Robbie. And then, uh, Saturday morning, oh, daddy, we gotta go, we gotta go. So get on Stat Geek, or Stat Geek, Seat Geek, and purchase some tickets in the north end zone. Just about, it was great, like 20 rows up. Uh, didn't realize that the sun was going to be beating down on us and it felt about 110, 110 degrees. But, um, I, I see, I love these games, which, uh, you know, a lot of fans don't because it's uh, obviously going to be a blowout, but it's a great opportunity to take your kids because the traffic's not quite as bad and it, just the intensity level isn't quite as high. Um, and, and for, you know, for small children, the, the noise is, it can be an issue, right? Because they are very sensitive ears. So anyway, ended up going and we had a great time. Other than the line to get, uh, popcorn and Cokes as we're in line, Matt, um, <laughs> a fight broke out between two of the workers. Uh, no way. Yeah. One guy was a, a yellow jacket worker and another guy was a red jacket worker at the stadium. And it, 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 apparently one guy said something to the other. And uh, one dude pushed the yellow jacket guy into Lincoln. Here he comes. Yep. Let's uh, <laughs> we'll get to the end of the story that. later. Well, yeah. final thoughts on the Chattanooga game basically is, you know, we took our opponents seriously and came out and got the result that we wanted. We started fast in the game, executed well. Still lots of things to learn and improve on. Uh, obviously, you know, the Iron Bowl is, you know, one of the great – rivalry games in college football uh, something that you look forward to as a competitor um, it's also something that um, is a great opportunity to be able to play in um, and I don't think that anybody needs to pay attention to you know what happened in the past what happened in the last game what somebody's record is um, anytime you play in a rivalry game it's going to be a highly competitive tough 
uh, very physical game, and that's what everybody needs to get ready for. You know, I think, you know, Auburn is, uh, Hugh Freeze has done a fantastic job there, you know, with his team this year. Uh, they've played very competitively in all their games. They've, you know, they're six and five. They've won some, some games really well, but, uh, they do a great job of running the football. Uh, I think that, um, they've got a very difficult offense to prepare for, um, with the multiples that they give you, the different ways that they run the ball, uh, the way the quarterbacks, both quarterbacks really can, you know, add to the running game. Um, you know, the tight end, um, Number 13 is a really good player, really good receiver. Number five is a really good receiver. Um, defensively, you know, they played really well all year long. Um, you know, they got some good players, got some edge rushers. They got some people that can create some problems for you as well as uh, they're very good on special teams. They're very aggressive in terms of what they do on special teams. They've got really good specialists. Um, the kicker and the punter both are, you know, leaders in the SEC. So, uh, this is a challenging game for us, and uh, I think our guys need to have the right mindset of what it's going to take to be successful in a game like this, uh, especially playing on the road. Start here with Nick. Yeah, how would you uh, assess the way your offensive line has played uh, in recent weeks? Uh, you know, we're playing better. Um, I think we've made steady improvement. Uh, I think the improvement has come from better communication and, you know, better you know, technical execution uh, from a technique standpoint, hand placement, foot placement, that kind of stuff. Second step on the ground, I think all those things have helped. I think pass protection has improved, uh, but that's something that we need to continue to improve on. How well do you think Jalen Melrose has protected himself as a runner this season? As a what? Well, I, I think, you know, Jalen is obviously someone that um, has great capabilities as a runner. Uh, I think he's uh, been pretty effective in uh, his choices of when to step up in the pocket, when to run, when he has an opportunity to make a play, when he doesn't. Um, but I think the thing he's developed is the ability to keep his eyes downfield and make plays uh, in the passing game, even when the pocket breaks down. And I think he's been an effective runner for us. Um, you know, when we've had uh, perimeter plays that involve reads on his part to get to the perimeter. So, and I think both those things help us overall offensively in terms of what the defense has to defend. Charlie. <clears throat> hey, Coach. Just what kind of progress have you seen from Terion Arnold over the course of the season? Yeah, Terion has really done a good job for us. Um, you know, I'm because of injuries, he's had to play multiple positions, which has been challenging for him. He's had to play some star at times, which um, in, in some cases when guys went out of the game, he didn't have a lot of reps at it. Um, but he's been a trooper at, you know, doing it and, um, you know, trying to look at it as a challenge and go out and, you know, improve each week. Uh, his coverage ability has been very good. And um, I... I I think he's played extremely well. Good afternoon, Coach. I know during fall camp, building up depth along the defensive line was a priority. After 11 weeks, how has that group grown and evolved? Yeah, I think we've had some young guys that have really, you know, come along and shown some improvement. Uh, some of them played, you know, toward the end of, you know, last game. So uh, I feel good about the progress that we made in that group. And, um, you know, I just think that, 
you know, our ability to stop the run is going to be critical in this game. And for us to play physical on the line of scrimmage and play really good technique with whoever's playing is going to be the most important thing that we need to do in preparation for this game. Coach, when Hugh Freeze got introduced as the Auburn head coach, one of the first things he mentioned was the relationship with you. He said when he left Ole Miss, you and Miss Terry were really there for him uh, during even time when he wasn't coaching. What is that relationship like for the fans? I know this is a big rivalry, but you guys have a special relationship, the two of you. Look, uh, you know, I play against all kind of guys and all kind of coaches that coach for me, that I'm good friends with, uh, whether it was Belichick when we were together and then all of a sudden I'm at Miami and he's at New England, all the guys in college coaching that you have to play against. You know, I've always been um, a guy that um, has a lot of respect for coaches uh, and what we do to try to promote our game and how we try to impact young people uh, as players. So I don't think you have to really – I think you can have a relationship with somebody and still – compete like crazy when you play against each other but it's really not personal uh, the outcome of the game is really not personal you're doing the best you can to get your team to play the best and I respect that as a coach and you know we're going to do the best we can to get our team to play their best as a coach and hopefully you know people respect that so um, but at the end of the day uh, does it have to affect your relationship uh, I don't think so. I don't think you have to dislike somebody or have an adversarial relationship with somebody to uh, actually compete against them. Yeah, regardless of record, it seems like it's always a really competitive game when you guys go to Jordan Hare Stadium. What do you think makes that place such a difficult place to win? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, if we're going to have success there, we're going to have to execute. Um, I mean, anytime you play on the road um, in this league, it's a difficult place to play. Uh, this is no different. Um, but, you know, people talk about all the crazy stuff that happens in this game. But since I've been here, uh, the team that should have won the game won the game based on who played the best. Uh, so I think the focus needs to be on, you know, how are we going to play and how are we going to execute and do what we do and what kind of consistency are we going to be able to maintain in a difficult environment, uh, which, you know, we've had this challenge several times before, uh, and this one's going to be just as difficult as any of the rest. Uh, I've heard your good friend Bill Belichick say that the concept of halftime adjustments is really overrated because adjustments get made during the first half because there's no sense in waiting. You can get hurt by that. So with that in mind, how effective is this coaching staff at staying on top of adjustments during the first half so that when you get into the half, the time is more about message, motivation, or whatever else? No, I think it's a combination of both. You know, I love Bill, don't get me wrong, but I don't always agree with him. I didn't always agree with him when I worked with him before. <laughs> but anyway, and I'm sure he'll say he didn't always agree with me. But anyway, um, you know, we're making adjustments between every series. I mean, we're going over the previous series, whether it's offense, defense, or whatever. They ran this stunt, we didn't block it right. Or, you know, they ran this formation, we didn't adjust to it correctly. Um, but we also draw those things up as the game progresses so we can actually show the players those plays and some of the things that they did as maybe you've already covered it, maybe you didn't have a chance to cover it, but we kind of do both. And then if there's something different that we want to do, uh, sometimes 
You don't like to do it until you can get everybody in front of you and you can explain a little better than you can on the sidelines. So there are occasions where you want to make adjustments to things when everybody can see it because it doesn't just affect one group. You know, sometimes, okay, we're going to change how we play this. That may affect the outside backers and the inside backers as well. So um, I, I think both things are really, really important, and I think both things actually occur during a game. Uh, Tommy Reese was named a semifinalist today for the Broyles Awards. What can you say about what he's done to, to grow in his role this year? Well, um, obviously we nominated him, so we thought he's done a pretty good job, and uh, I think he's done a great job of transforming our offense uh, and the players and how they've improved. Uh, and I think that's made a huge difference in the confidence on our team offensively as as well of our, as, as our team in general. So um, I think he's done an outstanding job. Can the team taking a loss like Auburn did on Saturday sort of galvanize them, make them more dangerous this week? I, I, I can't answer that. Um, you know, I, 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 I just can't answer that. I think you'd be better served to ask them, you know, that question. Uh, but, you know, I think everybody pays attention when things don't go well and they want to get it right. And I have enough respect and we have enough respect that they'll probably do the same. Coach, if you, I know you, how you prepare, you do the same thing every week and respect all of your opponents, but I wonder if any time in your career, uh, you've ever taken some time from preparation for one game in anticipation of another, and if so, how that came out. No, I never, um, in college football, I've never done that. Uh, in pro football, um, you know, sometimes, you do a little bit of work on the next team only because it's it's really really difficult uh that's not something that works well for me um because you know i'm sort of geared in on what you have to do in that particular game and i don't like to co-mingle different things before that game is over but i i will admit in pro ball not not because of a particular opponent it was just the best use of your time right, to be able to you know you didn't practice very long on Friday with the players um, walk through on Saturday so you had quite a bit more time before you ever played a game and you weren't with the players all the time you know we're, we're with the players here a significant amount of time um, you know like Thursday we practice Friday we have walk through Friday we have meetings we eat with them uh, we have meetings Friday night so you don't have all those things, you know, in pro ball. So, you know, sometimes there's a little time to try to get ahead, but it was not something that ever worked very well for me. All right, Coach, thank you. All right, thank you. And that was Nick Saban. Let's go to break. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build 
financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mild afternoon, clouds increasing the high 71. Tonight, rain and thunderstorms moving in. There could be a few strong storms around below 59. Tomorrow, cloudy and windy with rain ending during the morning, the high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 70 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More Big Noon Sports coming up. It is Big Noon Sports. Appreciate everyone dialing us in. And I know we'll uh, probably have higher listenership throughout the week because of the week. It's Alabama at Auburn. Big time. I didn't expect. In fact, I thought exactly what Alabama put on the field against UTC was what I expected. I hoped, and it did. It happened. Boom, boom, boom. Just like that. Of course, there were a couple of mistakes, but, uh, you know, when you win 66 to 10, it's hard to gripe about anything. It is the exact 180 for Auburn. New Mexico State came in a 21-point dog. They beat Auburn by 21. Lars, a quick analysis on what many are saying is the worst loss in Auburn football history. I think it's a classic case of looking ahead to Alabama. Um, look, New Mexico State, they had lost their first 27 meetings against SEC teams. I was so confident that Auburn coming off of that really nice performance the week before uh, was going to just absolutely throttle uh, New Mexico State. I was so confident that I put my money where my mouth is. And not only did they not cover, Uh-oh. they, they, uh, and it, and I, but I got the line out was 25 and a half and they end up losing by 21. I, it, it was a staggeringly poor performance, but, and we'll get into this. Does this make Auburn a more dangerous team against Alabama coming off of this horrendous performance? My initial answer to that is probably not. But it was uh, very hard to figure out, and I listened quickly to the postgame comments by Hugh Freeze, and he was literally without words. His postgame interview took, uh, and his news conference took five minutes. He didn't have anything to say. Today, it was a totally different story, and we took the liberty of going to the Auburn Network and getting the Hugh Freeze news conference. He talks about New Mexico State, the Aggies, and how they whooped up on the Tigers. But he also talks, more importantly, about the upcoming game with Alabama. You will hear that on the other side of this break as you listen to Big Noon Sports with Matt and Lars. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, 
Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. The Game of Football. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. About as uh, disappointing as I've ever been in coaching with uh, with Saturday's effort, and it's uh, it was an embarrassment to, and it's just as uh, it can't happen like that. And um, it starts with me. I have to get our coaches and our players ready to play, and I obviously missed the mark tremendously, and it's um, it's frustrating and sickening to watch and. I certainly get, I mean, Jerry Kill's crew did exactly what they needed to do to win the game and, and give them credit. And they're a really good football team. But uh, we did not respond in any way. And that is uh, very frustrating. And so uh, I'm ticked off. I hope they're ticked off. I haven't seen them yet. But um, we've uh, we've got to learn from that for sure. But very disappointing. Um you know, one of the things I think is is uh, the greatest challenge we have probably now in in um, in these college football rooms, team rooms, staffings is um, true connection. Uh, just to where, man, I, I'm really playing for you, and I'm really playing for the school and. Um, and when we have that true connection and relationship, you can really hold each other accountable. And um, that's something I, I've just I've got to work on to, to for us to feel more connected. Um, for when you get hit in the face like you did uh, Saturday, and um, now we quickly got to turn the page and and put that behind us for sure because we all know what the Iron Bowl means to so many and. Um, you can fix your feelings a, a whole a whole heck of a lot with a good performance in that game. And so we've got to have a balancing act today when I get with the team on owning um, mine and 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 everyone who had a responsibility in the way we played uh, Saturday. We've got to own that, uh, but we've got to move move forward pretty quick for sure to get ready for what I think is the best uh, team I've seen on film um, at the point at which we're playing them. I think they're playing at uh, an extremely high level. So, man, what a what a rivalry to be a part of. We're going to try to educate our young men as best we can um, with the use of former players and um, the history of this great game. And hopefully they have a clear understanding of what it means to so many people. We'll start with Jay on the front, front row. Yeah, you, you know your team better than anybody. Is this team capable of coming back from an embarrassing loss like that and playing their best game 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know yet. Um, sure hope so. Um, that's part of you play this game or coach this game long enough, you're going to have some of those. And how you respond to it will will determine a lot about you as a team and as a person. And um, I wish I had a better pulse for that, but I haven't seen them yet. And um, met with the culture council this morning. I like their response. Um, but, um, you know, that, that that's going to be a good test for all of us to see how we respond. Yeah, I hadn't given that a lot of thought because I'm so ticked off at, at the way we played. I think the biggest temptation you have right now is, is trying to make sure you don't overdo the game plan um, and, and try to do too much because, you know, of you think you've got to do this, 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 and this, and this to have a chance to, to win against, you know, one of the elite teams in the country. But so I think you got to guard against that for sure. Um, I, I don't. The, the over-amped up I haven't sensed because uh, most everybody I've seen is like they're in a fog uh, from what happened Saturday, and we've got to snap out of that fast. And so I need to see a little amped up um, come practice today and tomorrow. Yeah, lesson in humility, for sure. Um, but I will say, you know, offensively, we just—I think we could have run the ball. We we'd never had the—we uh, we never had the chance, truthfully. And that's—and that's not an excuse. It's, I mean, we had what forty-two true offensive plays, and um, you know, and as the game went on, it was obvious that that they were controlling the clock very well, and and you're, you've got to press a little bit. And whenever we did get on schedule, we shot ourselves in the foot with a penalty. And um, so I'm not sure how effective we could have been running the ball or not, truthfully. And um, it was just uh, that type of game. But uh, the most discouraging thing is is our inability to get off the field and to stop their explosive plays defensively. And so it was um, – but as good as we were, offensive line, defensive line, special teams at Arkansas, we were equally as bad in all three um, Saturday. So, is this week, you talk about turning the page, getting out of that fog with Alabama this week, Thanksgiving this week too, with all these things going on all kind of other ones, how do you try to attempt to stay focused on any one thing? Well, my lesson that I'm teaching today is about focus, and um, we'll see if they respond. I mean, they get a choice. Everybody has a choice of how you respond to whatever you're dealing with, and and we'll all have that choice this week. But you sure would hope that um, if they got any type of competitive spirit in them as an individual, they're going to shake off um, the cobwebs and get ready for this war that they're getting ready to go into, and it will be that. Hey. 
days in practice and didn't go well. You think maybe Wednesday and Thursday weren't great. Is, it, is that something you noticed in real time? And what was kind of your feeling maybe on, on Saturday morning? Were you thinking about that? Yeah, I was uh, nervous, anxious about you know how we would handle the success of three straight and becoming bowl eligible and um check that box and now you got alabama next and sometimes i can talk myself into believing things and so you have to kind of balance that but uh i told my wife saturday morning i'm, I'm really concerned about um just um are we really ready to to understand you have to earn the right to win a game and so I was concerned, and um, but it's my job to have them ready, and it's our coaches' jobs. And uh, we as a staff this morning had a lot of heart-to-hearts, and obviously we failed in, in getting that message across to our young men. Talk about the task of uh, defending Caleb Melrose, who is so dangerous with his legs as well as with his arm. Yeah, it's... You know, we we did not fare well against uh, a, a kid similar to him down in LSU, and and now he's playing at a very high level with good receivers and good running backs. It's a it's a very difficult task for sure. I don't know that you completely do that. Um, you got to hope that you do limit those explosive plays somewhat, but uh, stopping him is is no one's really done that. So you got to. We've got to mix up the coverages, mix up the plan, figure out if we can get pressure to him or not. Do we need a spy? I mean, you've got all those things going through our heads right now, and, and how much can our kids handle and do really, really well against all the different sets you might see? Third row. Great. Coach, gears a little bit. This is the 10th anniversary of the big six. I'm just curious if you remember where you were at for that and where you remember that you know, I was trying my best. I, I, I don't think that I saw it live, uh, or I, I believe I would remember that vividly. So we must have been either on a, playing at the same time or on a flight back or something. I can't remember. But I do remember um, once I first saw it and found out I couldn't wait to call Gus to say, man, you got to explain to me how in the world that felt. Um, that's got to be one of the all-time, maybe the all-time greatest finish in college football. Uh, you you got to, it's definitely top three, I would think. But, um, man, what a, what a finish that was. What do you say to the, the Auburn fans and the Auburn faithful that were there Saturday, coming off the loss of the Iron Bowl, being back at home and being Thanksgiving week, students gone from classes? I mean, what do you what do you say to get them back here Saturday? Um, what what could be a really good game? Well, you know, the Auburn, Auburn faithful are they, they, they're they're they have persevered through through a lot of things and they show up. And um, you know, I, I've already apologized a hundred times. Um, for the effort that uh, we did not give them Saturday. And, uh, you know, this is not the first program in year one to, to have some tough losses like this. And I could go down the list and mention some, but you probably know who they are better than I. Um, but we're in a rebuild. That's no excuse for what happened Saturday. But, um, man, we expect 
to give you the, the best of ourselves come Saturday in the Iron Bowl. And so we appreciate all the times you give us your best. And I know this Saturday will be no different for them. hard you know no one is uh no one's running too much on that defensive front um we'll have a good plan and our backs are good and our tight ends are good and our old line is 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 competitive um but we do need to establish a run game um it, it will be no fun if you're having to drop back and throw every down that that won't work 15 and 41 um off the edge for them are both really really good um so it's uh uh, we, we need to stay balanced and um, and make them have to at least honor the, the run game. Barback, John. You coached against Nick Saban a number of times with your own most intense success against them. When you're game planning for Nick Saban coach team, what are some similarities that throughout the years his teams consistently do well? Tackle, um, mix up coverages. Uh, fronts are, are haven't changed much. It's not a whole lot you can do with that. Uh, he's got a few more coverages that he runs now, um, but his teams are always physical and they're always going to tackle well. And um, you you see that very vividly on these tapes also. Mentioned Jerry Kill's game plan. What was it, maybe just particularly on offense, that made it so difficult to adjust once you kind of saw what they were doing defensively? Was it mostly time of possession? I guess what other factors do you think there were? Yeah, the time of possession killed our offense for sure, um, and the opportunities we had. But defensively, um, I, it's more missed tackles than we've had the last three games combined. Um, we misaligned more times. Uh, the focus that uh, we had, obviously, for the game plan was lacking. And, um, you know, that's we, – we didn't get it done. And it wasn't a whole lot of adjustments to do. They didn't do a whole lot. Um, but, man, you got to give them credit when they did have a chance to make a throw in a tight window and make a catch in a tight window to convert a, a third down or a fourth down or a score. They made every single play. And so give them credit for that. But uh, we, we tackled so poorly. Well, I, think, I don't think I'll know that until after Tuesday's practice. But Tuesday's practice needs to be physical. It, it needs to set the tone of what this game is going to be like. And you're, you're going to get punched in the mouth in this game. And you better be ready to respond and it's it's going to be a physical test of your will and of you physically also and so tuesday needs to needs to it can't be that totally but it needs to set that tone You know, I think six out of seven possessions offensively face a third and 10 or longer. Yeah. The schedule's been the focus all year. Is that ultra important comes out of it? Oh, it, it, yeah. That game will get really difficult if, if we're not in some third and Um It was just a nightmare of uh, everything we've done pretty well the last few weeks, winning first down, 
not having penalties, taking care of the ball, uh, all of those things were were pretty non-existent Saturday, and we we need to we're going to, have to be very strategic about our first and second down calls to try to get us in those third and manageable. I mean, they're I don't know saw their their stats on third down are pretty dang good. Uh, I can't remember what they were, but they're in the, they're in the top three or four in third downs. Yeah, that's it. We expect to have um, a plethora of great players here, and uh, it will be our opportunity to present to them one last time before the season ends how great the atmosphere is at Auburn, how great our fans are, how great this atmosphere, this family, um, uh, the Auburn family is to be a part of, and hopefully we can uh, we can solidify. You know, all the ones who are currently committed and maybe swing a few others to say, man, I want to go help them build something there. I know they can. They have the resources. They have the support. Uh, we just, we need some players to come join us. Yeah, I think it speaks to the the history, um, the people that have gone before us, um, fans and coaches and players who understood what this rivalry meant to so many and they were willing to lay it on the line and in particularly um, doing it here in Jordan-Hare where, you know, our, our fans have been incredible and I think they'll even be at another level come come Saturday and I think it just speaks to the love and passion that our people have for our program, and particularly when you're playing in this game. There you have it. That's Hugh Freeze from his news conference held at around 11 o'clock this morning. And, man, he still sounds, as he says, ticked off. We will respond to that with ABC 3340's Jeff Spiegel as Big Noon Sports continues. On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune in Tuesday, 7.30. We'll visit with Kevin Skarbinski. We'll break down the Iron Bowl with Kevin. And then the 8 o'clock hour, we're actually going to do the Blue Plate Special on Wednesday this week. So we'll find out what games Coach is looking at. Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and 
build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Football is back. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mild afternoon, clouds increasing, the high 71. Tonight, rain and thunderstorms moving in. There could be a few strong storms around, below 59. Tomorrow, cloudy and windy with rain ending during the morning, the high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 70 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Oh, lot to digest in our first hour here on Big Noon Sports with Lars and Matt. You heard from Nick Saban, and then you immediately heard from Hugh Freeze, who, quite honestly, still sounds like he's trying to shake off what happened Saturday at Jordan-Hare Stadium. To talk about that and all things Thanksgiving, Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340 is our guest. Jeff, how are you? Really good. How are you guys? Uh, fantastic. This is our favorite holiday week, so and it's also our favorite football game. <laughs> so, uh, oh, yeah. things going on. All right. Um, what is your favorite side dish at Thanksgiving? Uh, green bean casserole. Okay. Oh, yeah, Jeff, really good. That's very, that's very southern of you to say. Yes, it is. What, what is it? Yeah. Okay, explain to me the majesty of the green bean casserole. I don't get it. <laughs> Wow. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's just, uh, I, I, the way my wife makes it is just, it's just unbelievable. It's just, uh, you know, I can't, I can't even like tell you what's all in it except for green beans, but, um, but it's, <laughs> but it's just, but it's just really good. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tell you though, it's really one of the few side dishes I like for Thanksgiving. No one has to fight me over cranberry sauce. No one has to fight me over squash casserole. No one is going to be worried about Jeff Spiegel taking the last piece of sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie because I hate all of those things. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm basically just give me turkey and let me uh, sit in a corner and I'll be good and my green bean casserole. How about deviled eggs? Um, yeah, deviled eggs are okay. Um, not too many of them, but, uh, and you know, they've, um, yeah, yeah, deviled eggs. I'm good with deviled eggs. I'm a big dressings guy, but it has to have the, the perfect gravy mix and it has to be, it can't be real dry. But uh, after that, I'm good with turkey and some deviled eggs and, and moving along. I am a big, big fat no to anything that has to do with the cranberry stuff. Um, if that's what you like, that's great. Now, sure. what's really, what's our turkey this week, and I mean that in the good way, is the Alabama-Auburn game. And I don't know if you were able to uh, read or even hear the postgame comments of Hugh Freeze following the loss Saturday, but even today, he still sounds like a down mm. man. And mm. it's it's difficult to get your team back up. Well, not for, for Alabama, but 
to be very honest with you, Hugh, I hope you're listening. I think Hugh's got to shake this thing off before anybody else does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but look, I mean, it's it's uh, part of it is Hugh Freeze has no idea how to beat a Jerry Kill coached football team. I mean, uh, last year, New Mexico State, you know, gave uh, gave Liberty, I think, a uh, a loss. So I think Jerry Kill has kind of got Hugh Freeze's number. But listen, I mean, here's the thing. That team played so uninspired. Uh, Peyton Thorne got all kind of ticked off at his offensive lineman. No response from his offensive lineman at all. Uh, couldn't, couldn't reach his guys. The coaches couldn't reach the guys. Uh, it's like, it's like, you know what? They didn't want to be there. Uh, the crowd was not into it, you know, because it's, you know, because it's New Mexico State. I mean, no one, there was no energy in that, in that building at all. And it was just, uh, and, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you when I knew things were going to go south for Auburn. And it happened in the first quarter when their quarterback, took Nehemiah Pritchett after he picked off one of his throws and not only tackled him, but body slammed him, that's when I knew Auburn was in a lot of trouble. Because when the other team's quarterback sends a message like that and is not afraid to take a flag, you know, for something like that, um, that shows the other team is tougher than you are. And what I was disappointed in, I was disappointed that a fight didn't ensue from that. I mean, Nehemiah's teammates should have gotten in there and just given that quarterback the what for. Uh, and, and then, you know, look, if, if, if they get thrown out of the game, they get thrown out of the game. But that, that right there showed me that New Mexico State brought a lot more fight to the table than Auburn did, and I knew it was going to be downhill from that point on. Do you think it's possible that New Mexico State becomes Hugh Freeze's uh, Louisiana Monroe, right? The, the the team that, if I remember correctly, that beat Alabama in 2007, Nick Saban's first year. Well, I think the two games are different. Yeah. I think okay. the two games are different. The coaches are different, first of all. Uh, Hugh Freeze, you know, doesn't come in with like a national championship on his resume. Number two, if I remember correctly, you guys may correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't a matter of Louisiana Monroe just lining up and whipping Alabama. It was a matter of Alabama making a lot of, you know, kind of boneheaded mistakes that kind of gave Louisiana Monroe the game. This is a game where New Mexico State lined up and, and looked. I mean, you know, the Auburn folks can hang a Louisiana Monroe tag on it. And, and, uh, and, and shrug it off, you know, as lightly as that and say, well, this happens in the first year. This is a case where New Mexico State lined up and whipped Auburn, whipped them, whipped them. It wasn't a matter of Auburn turning the ball over. It wasn't a matter of Auburn giving, you know, New Mexico State the game. It was a matter of the guys up front whipping the Auburn guys up front. And, and that's what it was. Now, you know, t- take your medicine and go on. But but don't try to compare it to the Louisiana Monroe game in 2007. Uh, just that's just not going to fly with me. One of the things that I noticed, and by the way, uh, I think everybody in college football is a big fan of Jerry Kill. If those of you don't remember, he he's the one that had the seizure. I guess he was at Minnesota at the time, and then really right. really struggled to get back on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very very evident this guy can coach. 
That team was prepared. Yeah. They were more than Auburn's equal. And he once they, he's, he's so good at motivating players. Well, uh, yeah. he, he motivated me watching it. Um, and then, guys, I want to throw this out to the roundtable and get you, both of you to respond. I don't think since they have changed the rules, particularly with the, the first down and not calling – you know, not stopping the clock. I don't think I've ever seen better clock management from about midway through the third quarter to the end of the game. They just didn't give Auburn the football back. And a quarterback that you mentioned earlier, he let it go to three and two seconds in the third quarter. They had already planned that they were going to walk out of there with a victory. And, and to Jerry Kill, uh, the victory goes to spoils. Clock management speeds, that's what really impressed me in the second half. Well, and they, and they know, and they don't give you a lot of possessions. And that's the thing, you know, the, the, the further Auburn fell behind, you know, the, uh, there was, there was not going to be any coming back because you were basically out of possessions. And if you only get the football so many times in a football game, there are only so many points you can score. Now it's up to your defense to get those guys off the field. And, and Auburn couldn't do that. I think New Mexico State was, Six of twelve, I think, in third downs or something like that. But you know, they just uh, they just they grind away the clock, and and they're just uh, and and like I said, I mean, it, it, the game was won at the line of scrimmage, and uh, and New Mexico State, you know, hats off to them, man. I mean, they're having a dream season, and uh, and they've earned it. I mean, there was nothing lucky about that football game at all. They came into another team's house and they just whipped them. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, I know we got to go to break, Matt. And I apologize for just uh, jumping in here. Any big takeaways from Alabama's performance on Saturday, other than the fact that they took care of business? Uh, the only takeaway is that uh, I think we've got a new punt returner, and uh, and I think Caleb Downs should be the guy. I mean, going forward. I mean, with that one kick return, showed me he's got a lot of confidence. Uh, we, we knew that anyway from the way he plays DB. But Kool-Aid has just never looked comfortable back there. And uh, and that's something that, you know, could wind up costing Alabama an iron bowl, you know, if he makes a bad decision trying to return a punt. So I think they're going to go with Caleb Downs, uh, you know, in this game. That would be my hunch anyway. They may give Kool-Aid another shot, but... But Kool-Aid has just never looked comfortable in that role from the get-go. I got to say real quick that uh, I was sitting in the end zone, uh, the north end zone, um, just like 20 rows up. And so I had a really good view of, of the punts. And Downs did such an amazing job of sprinting, especially in the first half, of sprinting and just catching the ball because he had a long way to go because they were doing everything in their power to keep the ball away from him. And the confidence and the sure-handedness that he displayed, Matt, was absolutely off the charts. Well, and I think uh, my thoughts on this will continue in a minute, but my thoughts are in that atmosphere, Kool-Aid, wasn't he like top two in the nation last year? That's just what's so amazing about him this year. The first punt of the game, he stayed away from it, and there was nobody within 20 yards of him. Saban even mentioned that in his postgame comments. But I wonder, given the circumstances of the Tiger faithful at Jordan-Hare Stadium, it's going to be 
incredibly loud. We know that. And I wonder if Saban doesn't go back to McKinstry, although Caleb certainly earned his shot at it. Wow, what a return. I thought he messed up. He went backwards, and then he came on and went to the distance. So, anyway, that was good to see for Alabama. When we get back, Jeff Spiegel will stay with us, and we will continue to talk to him about the upcoming Alabama-Auburn game on Big Noon Sports. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. News in the NFL with the Jets making a change at quarterback. Reports say Tim Boyle will start in Zach Wilson's place on Friday when they visit the Dolphins. Boyle finished Sunday's loss to the Bills after Wilson was benched in the third quarter. Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel said running back Devon Achan may be able to play in that game despite re-injuring his knee on Sunday. McDaniel said he wouldn't rule him out, but he wouldn't rule him in either. Falcons coach Arthur Smith said Desmond Ritter will start at quarterback this week against the Saints. 49ers coach Cal Shanahan confirmed safety Talanoa Hufunga tore his ACL in yesterday's win against the Buccaneers. And reports say the NFL is reviewing Broncos safety Kareem Jackson's hit on Vikings quarterback Josh Dobbs for potential potential discipline. No flag was thrown on the play, but Jackson just served a two-game suspension for unnecessary roughness hits. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Happy early Thanksgiving. We met at the locker room and Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, myself, and we'll continue our conversation now. Uh, let's go, although I don't think we need to recap this in detail, Jeff, but uh, any observations other than Caleb Downs following Alabama's 66-10 to 10 win over the Mox? Okay, one more thing. Uh, I did some quick research on that Alabama-Lawman road game in 07. John Parker Willis did two interceptions, Alabama two fumbles. So they turned it over four times in that game. So, uh, so that further, you know, proves the point that you just can't compare the Auburn New Mexico State game to Alabama Love and Row. Um, no, I, look, I think, I think the thing, the thing about this Alabama football team that should scare Auburn fans to death is the fact that the stock continues to rise for this football team. They've just gotten better and better and better and better. And you say, well, how can you tell? You know, after they played Chattanooga and, you know, thump them 66-10 when you, you know, knew they were, they were going to do that. This team has shown a knack in recent games of starting fast. Remember when the offense just really had a hard time getting it going? This offense now is like clicking from the get-go. And, and, uh, and Milrow was just playing with such an incredible amount of confidence. And, uh, and getting so many people involved. Jermaine Burton is back 100%. So this team is, is, hasn't even, hasn't even reached its peak yet, which, which is, which is pretty scary going to an Iron Bowl. Having said that though, and having talked about how terrible Auburn was in their previous game, I've learned from watching this game for many, many years, what happened last Saturday has got nothing to do with this Saturday. Absolutely zero, nothing. And when, when that game kicks off in that stadium, especially 
it's it all bets are off and and i expect auburn to bring uh to bring an effort like they haven't brought all year uh, i expect them I, I expect to see the same team that that clocked arkansas i expect them to uh to hugh freeze kind of you know rally the troops and, and they're going to play their best football because uh, that's what auburn does uh in the iron bowl now there have been exceptions where Auburn's kind of tailing off toward the end of the year. And then, like, for example, when Alabama beat them 49 nothing, uh, you know, where, where they just, they've just kind of lost hope for the season. But more often times than not, you know, this is an incredible football game. Uh, and in the, at Jordan Hare Stadium, it seems to just be ratcheted up several notches. Uh, this is nitpicking a little bit, but Milrow missed some wide open receivers. I mean, he still has trouble hitting that 10 yard sideline out. Uh, and, uh, that, you, my sense is that is something that will be solved in the off season. But that eventually could come back to really bite Alabama. And you just, uh, you know, you can't miss those throws. Those are throws that in the NFL that you hit 99 out of 100 times. And uh, and, and he still has that issue with that intermediate uh, intermediate game uh, or intermediate routes, I should say. Um, I thought it was interesting in Saban's press conference that he just absolutely will, will not concede that weird things happen in Auburn when Alabama goes there. And, you know, he used to say the best team always wins. Really? Uh, did the best team win the kick six game? I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, as a coach, you, you don't want to say ahead of the game where you're going into a very hostile environment. Like, no, weird things don't happen there. I mean, do, do, Jeff, just your, your, your take on, on, on Nick Saban, again, refusing to review, refusing to concede that like lightning strikes in that, in that stadium for Auburn somehow, some way, so many times. Well, by doing that though, Lars, I mean, you yield to external factors. I mean, that's what you do. And you know how he feels about that. You, you know, it, the motto with Alabama has always been, it's not about what they do, it's about what we do. You know, if we go in there and execute the way that we're supposed to, it shouldn't matter where we're playing. It shouldn't matter who we're playing. I mean, we should be able to win. So certainly he's not going to concede, you know, that uh, that strange things, you know, happen in that football stadium. Um, although... All those strange things do. Uh, now, two years ago, and, and again, here's another example that you can't you, you can't take the immediate past and just you know predict anything with this football game. Two years ago, this Auburn football team was in a mess. They collapsed in the second half against Mississippi State. Bo Nix got hurt. T.J. Finley started the South Carolina game. Uh, they shot themselves in the foot in that game. Lost that game. So they lost three games in a row. They were six and five, you know, going into this, into this game two years ago. Alabama had Bryce Young, and everyone thought Alabama was just going to kind of walk all over. Turns out Alabama had to fight for their lives to win that game, you know, in overtime. So it's just, it, you just can't take what happened in the recent, recent past 
and and, uh, and and predict anything. It's just it's really hard to, especially when they're playing uh, when they're playing at Jordan here. You know, Jeff, um, I was talking with a group of people at the game, and the fact of the matter is, there are only a select number of kick sixes, and then there was um, the uh, Bruce Arians swing pass call at Auburn that uh, yep. may have cost Alabama, and then there was a, and then you go back to punt, Bama punt. Um, the best team nine times out of ten does win this game. Would you agree? Yeah, the favorite usually wins this game. Uh, and, and you know, but that doesn't mean there's not any drama. And that doesn't mean you can't have a surprise every now and then. Like Trey Smith, I think was it 2002 when Trey Smith had the big game for Auburn and they, uh, and they knocked off Alabama, I think. And, and then, um, you know, I think 01, it was, you know, Alabama kind of, you know, shocking Auburn a little bit. So, and it's just, there's so many crazy things that can happen in a robbery game. And this is, you know, with all apologies to the Ohio State Michigan people, this is the best robbery in college football. And it's just, uh, it, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that can happen when you get all those emotions, you know, packed into this game. And the, uh, the momentum swings can just happen in a heartbeat. And what, uh, what is Alabama's path to victory on Saturday? Well, you know, you can't turn the ball over. You can't, you, you got to take the crowd out of the game. You, you got to kind of, uh, you got to kind of follow, you know, the New Mexico state plan of attack. You know, you, you, you got to get some drives going. You've got to, you've got to take control of the game early and kind of, kind of let the crowd know that, uh, you know what? You're in for a long day. You know, if you want to rally your team to victory, you know, we're going to have something to say about that. And so taking control of the game and uh, and just kind of putting the foot on the gas early, getting off to a quick start, you know, is certainly a uh, is certainly a big factor. And, you know, you, you do have an Auburn football team that's uh, kind of lacking a little bit of confidence. So don't give them anything to be confident about. You know, don't don't give up a Jark West Hunter big 88 yard touchdown run. You know, don't let Peyton Thorne, you know, hit Javarius Johnson with a 75-yard pass. You know, don't make any mistakes that give Auburn any hope that their crowd can lift them to victory in this game. Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340 is our guest. Uh, Both of you guys, how many players on Auburn's starting 22-plus special teams would start for Alabama? Jeff? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Uh, I think Jarquez Hunter is a great football player. Yeah. I think Hunter. I think Hunter could. I think Jalen Simpson is a, is is an amazing player. He could play on Alabama's defense. Jalen uh, Jalen McLeod could play on Alabama's defense. Well, there are a lot of guys on that defensive side of the ball for Auburn that are really really good football players. You know, it's it's the offense that's kind of um, had trouble finding their way. And in that three-game winning streak, they, they seem to have found their way. And then, you know, people kept telling me, but gosh, Jeff, I mean, they beat Vanderbilt. They beat Mississippi State. They beat Arkansas. And I go, I know, but did you see the way they beat Arkansas? They just clocked those guys. And uh, so that, that's what was so shocking, you know, about the New Mexico State game. And and it just, um, ah, it, 
I'm still shaking my head about that thing. I mean, they were 25 and a half point favorites. So if you look at like largest upsets that I've ever seen, that's a 46 and a half point swing, you know, and it's just, wow. Uh, um, I just can't. I, I, you know, when, after the game, I said, they're going to have a hard time flushing that. They're going to have a hard time getting over that. But then I forgot, this is the Iron Bowl, and of course they're not going to have a hard time flushing that. What's one player on Alabama's offensive side, other than the quarterback, that you're going to be paying close attention to on Saturday? Jermaine Burton. Um, I look for Jermaine Burton to have a really big game. and But, boy, in a game like this, He's got to keep his emotions in check, and that's been an issue for him all year. So if he, if he can do that, keep his emotions in check, uh, he's going to have a big day. All right, you got lots of stuff to do. Do you have special Thanksgiving plans for ABC 33 Sports? Uh, no, I mean, just, you know, stay away from the cranberry sauce and, uh, and just have a great week. I hope you do as well with your family. Uh, have a blessed week. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, Matt Lars. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. Watch him nightly on ABC 33 Sports. He's uh, an Alabama TV icon. Lars, we haven't talked about our experience of the game this past Saturday. We've got a couple other things to dive into as well as, guess what? Nobody bothered to help Alabama this weekend. Will they this Saturday? You're listening to Big News Sports. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A mild afternoon, clouds increasing, the high 71. Tonight, rain and thunderstorms moving in. There could be a few strong storms around below 59. Tomorrow, cloudy and windy with rain ending during the morning, the high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, thank you all for listening. Uh, we appreciate uh, Jeff Spiegel being with us. Of course, you've heard from Nick Saban and Hugh Freeze. Uh, the final 45 minutes or so of this uh, show are going to belong to you. Your favorite Thanksgiving dish, your favorite Alabama-Auburn story, uh, and what you think is going to happen this coming Saturday at 2.30 on CBS. So you can call us at 205 205- 
342-9904-9904. So holler at us and we'll talk. In the meantime, Lars, Saturday's game was just postcard perfect for me. I didn't have to sit in the sun. You did. But Laura Lee Thompson and her husband, Glenn, invited me, and I, and I went up to their level and just had an absolutely fabulous time. And I'll just share with you a little bit that, to, you know, come accustomed to watching it with my feet up on the ottoman. I got there early, like an hour early, just to watch the crowd filter in, to watch what the bands are doing, to watch the ceremony of, of the seniors, which was very interesting to see Nick Saban go from family to family and family and have hand them the you know, the the football that recognizes them as a tied senior. And then to have the picture and uh, briefly talk to all the family members, it was just a, a really, really cool thing. And uh, I just had a wonderful time. Uh, again, thanks to Laurel Lee and Glenn. But um, big time. I didn't have to, however, deal with three children under the age of 10, including twins at six. Are they seven now? What are they? They're what six. Are yeah, they're, they're six. six. Yeah. And then Lincoln's eight. Um, I bet it helped to have room so they could run around a little bit because in a packed LSU game, uh, that would have been quite difficult. <laughs> well, well uh, we actually didn't have that much. There was there really wasn't any room. But um, it was just for them, they, they've gone to some Alabama games. But they have never been that close to the field. And uh, it was just a completely new experience for them. And frankly, you know, I don't want them watching from a luxury suite. I want them to watch the game the way other, you know, the, 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 the rest of us watch it. Uh, and, um, and, and so this was a first experience for them. And we had so much fun. I mean, yes, there were tears. There were uh, a lot of uh, throwing, uh, getting in popcorn fights. And the popcorn would land in other fans' laps. But everybody was good <laughs> around us. And uh, and we just uh, had so much fun. And the, the great thing was uh, probably the most enjoyable part was just the car ride home. And in reviewing everything that we did and they were just so excited about it. And this was the whole reason I embarked on what I jokingly referred to as a suicide mission, right? Uh, taking my three little ones by myself to a, a massive sporting event. And uh, even talking with uh, April, she's like, I would never do that. Well, you know what? I it's like I'm just not going to sit in my house on a beautiful Saturday afternoon and and just let them, you know, be on their iPads. No, we are going to go actually do something. And uh, and again, it was really about just creating a memory, a shared experience, and something that it just even though the the moment itself it's over. It almost lives on in perpetuity because it will be this frame of reference, right, that we'll always have. And I know you have similar experiences with your kids when you took your kids when they were small to different sporting events. Oh, it, it was awesome. And unless they were really, really young, they still remember them. 
Uh, and that's cool. And as a parent, that's that's what you're doing it for. Um, although you get a lot of self-satisfaction after, you know, uh, when you watch them. One of the and other things took, uh, that I want to... I just want to say real quick. And we took a picture, and, and it, uh, it, the, the picture is just so amazing. And I already am, like, turning it into, like, you know, this, like, canvas, right? Like, uh, um, by the way, Walgreens has an amazing sale going on. <laughs> like, it, it's serious? 60%. It's sixty percent off on sixteen by twenty one canvases. Normally, like it'd be eighty dollars, and now it's thirty bucks. So, uh, everyone listening, hey, flood Walgreens because uh, the, there's a promotional code that you can get. And it goes through the twenty fifth of November, uh, and it's just uh, absolutely a, 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 a wonderful deal. But. Um, and no, I did not get compensated to pay to, to say that. But well, you still, that 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 picture now, you know, again, that will be like a frame of reference for us, right? And uh, I'm just, I'm so glad we went. Sometimes well, doing the doing the hard thing usually ends up being the right thing and the most fulfilling thing. Well, you uh, you sent me a really really great picture, and uh, I'm glad y'all had had a good time. Yeah, that, that's the actual thing. picture. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, one of the other things that um, I noticed in pregame, as I said, was Saban's attention to the seniors. But then throughout the game, um, got information that Alabama dressed one dressed one hundred and thirty four players. They dressed every single scholarship walk on and then some. Lars, let me run that number by you again. One hundred and thirty four. At one point in the game. I looked at the far sideline. I said, I don't think the mocks have enough to field two full teams. But what it was is that Alabama had so many, it made it look like Tennessee Chattanooga didn't. Although I think they only brought 62, which is a relatively low number. But then during the game, uh, particularly, did you know that Milrow didn't even play in the second half? Good move, in my opinion. But as the game grew longer and Alabama's lead continued to grow, there was much concentration by the Alabama coaching staff to put guys in the game. And I'm not talking about twos and threes. I'm talking about seniors and walk-ons. And there are many that should be recognized. But the one, since we're right here, Lars, that I will give you is Sam Willoughby. Five-year walk-on at Alabama. Five years. You're a walk-on. Now, I know walk-ons do get some privileges, but you don't get a scholarship. And um, to see him, and I believe, I was listening to the post-game show on the way out, that he actually was put in and inserted on a kickoff. And can you imagine what that meant to that guy? Uh, he's it a Vestavia guy. It's, yeah. uh, and he'll remember that forever. And he'll tell his grandkids. And his grandkids will tell their kids. And it's it's just a really cool thing. Uh, on senior day and also a senior that has get has gotten more playing time and safety story he got a huge pick he got a pick on senior day his final game in a crimson uniform and by the way it was a spectacular interception as he managed to get his feet down going out of bounds so all of those wonderful stories to the side of the 66 to 10 victory just uh that's the kind of stuff that warms your heart and I'm sure there were uh, quite a few other players that I needed to recognize as well. But those two 
popped into mind. When we get back, let's see if we can't get a few phone calls in. Our number is 342-9904, area code 205-342-9904. Give us a call and we'll talk about Alabama and Auburn. I mean, what else is there to talk about this week? Well, maybe we'll find a couple other things. This is Big Men Sports. For championships. Throws intercepted Alabama. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide battle Auburn in the 88 Iron Bowl in the season finale. Our coverage begins at 11.30 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner too. Hey, Crimson Tide. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Noah with you on this really pretty Monday afternoon. Folks, it's not going to be nice tonight, so make sure and keep your James Spann weather tuner near you because tonight it is going to rain, and it's going to rain hard, and there is a threat of bad weather. So be aware. Uh, Don't want anything happening as we get into Thanksgiving. What a great holiday. Uh, Lars. We've known, I guess, since Alabama started picking it up and laying it down. Maybe it was the Ole Miss game that we really thought that this team was starting to get more continuity and, and pull together and, and understand the saving process. But ever, I think ever since then, at that time, I think Alabama had dropped to like number 11 or 12. Been trying to see if Alabama can't get back closer to the top four, i.e. playoff. It's just not happening. Um, and particularly over the last three weeks, it seems like there have been opportunities for some of these teams to drop. But I don't know how folks feel about Georgia beating Tennessee. Some feel like Georgia, that the Georgia win helps Alabama if they can beat them in the playoff uh, or in the championship game. But Minnesota, no help. Uh, Ohio State thumped them 37-3. to Now, the Terrapins tried, and... Came close, but close, not good enough. As Michigan won 31 to 24. Florida State actually fell behind North Alabama 13 to nothing, but then the Knolls scored 58 in a row, so they won more than comfortably. Uh, the one that I was watching late, I'm sure you were too, was uh, Oregon State, Washington. And the Huskies, number five, barely survived the trip to Corvallis, and maybe that means something this weekend. But uh, Washington won it 22 to 20. Uh, here's the one that team that you, I don't think anybody wants to play them, and I don't think anybody wants to play Alabama. 
But the Ducks are flying high. They just walked all over Arizona State, 49 to 13. Bo Nix, 404 yards and six TDs. I think he won the Heisman this past weekend. Lars, quick comment there. I think he is on the cusp of it. And uh, I also, it's going to come around most likely to um, the Pac-12 championship game. Not only will there be a possibility for each team to get into the college football playoffs, but I think Heisman Trophy's on the line. And between Penix and and um, and, and and Bo Nix, and so that's going to be really interesting. And so now, Matt, does a one-loss Oregon team get in over a one-loss Alabama team? I don't think so. I really don't, uh, especially if Alabama, uh, they, Georgia's gonna be number one, I'm assuming, uh, in the rankings this week and moving forward until Alabama, uh, plays them in the SEC championship game. And, uh, and this is assuming that Alabama beats Auburn, which, uh, I think we both believe they will. Um, let me just put that to you. Does if 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 Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12 championship game to redeem themselves for their one loss earlier in the season at Washington in Seattle in a very tough environment, and they outplayed Washington in that game, do they get in over Alabama? Be very close. It'd be very close because an Oregon win. At Washington is huge, but to knock off a team that hadn't lost in three years is pretty big, too. And that's technically on, on a neutral side. I don't know. Uh, and right now, if I were voting, I'd put Alabama there just for the obvious reasons of the SEC. No. And I think people forget how difficult they go. Well, Alabama won this. Alabama's schedule was much more difficult. Of course, yes. the SEC is more difficult. Yes. So I think that maybe that. That's the one statistic that may come into play that helps Alabama. But yeah. you'd rather. I mean, the, the, the bigger question could be the, and it depends on how other things shake out and it depends on how the SEC championship game goes. Does a one loss Oregon team get in over a one loss Georgia team? Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons that, um, I was, I think they probably would. Uh, I was kind of pulling for Tennessee. I know people said that that wasn't the right thing to do as far as Alabama's concerned. My my opinion as of the middle of last week was anybody that can lose in front of Alabama is good news for the Crimson Tide. So, but that didn't happen. I mean, did Georgia look well, pretty good or what? Yeah. Um, here is, and I hate injuries. I hate injuries, even if they're, uh, you know, to uh, they occur on a team that you don't support or that you actively, you know, dislike. Um, and I'm not saying I actively dislike Florida State, but I just I hated to see what happened to Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis uh, going down out for the year. Um, basically, it looks like he's going to be moving on to the NFL. At one point, he really was in the uh, serious conversation of, of the Heisman Trophy. And so now you have Florida State uh, going to a backup quarterback. And by the way, 
North Alabama, they came out against Florida State, and they were up 13 nothing. It was right out of the gate, and we're like, oh, well, this is this is a little interesting. But then Florida State scored 58 unanswered <laughs> to <laughs> to finish the game. But now, so Florida State, uh, they're 11 and 0 for the first time since uh, 2014, and they're going with uh, a redshirt junior quarterback named uh, Tate uh, Roadmaker. And, uh, he's gonna be the guy for the rest of the season. And before being thrust into, uh, the, the, the lineup on Saturday, he'd only thrown eight passes. Um, and while he, you know, he finished 13, uh, 23 for 217 and two touchdowns against, again, North Alabama team that was completely overmatched. So, and now you got Florida. Going in to the swamp in a huge rivalry game. And, um, and the thing is, I mean, Florida State, they have the seventh best offense in the FBS, um, and in, in scoring. They're averaging 40, about 40, 40 points a game. Um, so Alabama fans be rooting for Florida. <laughs> big time uh because if florida gets knocked out that that absolutely excuse me if florida state gets knocked out that absolutely opens up a couple different avenues for alabama to get in because a one loss florida state team is not going to get in over a one loss alabama team no not not going to happen at all it's just not going to happen but i've seen enough of florida to think that even without jordan travis that uh, the Seminoles will win that, even though it's in Gainesville, tough place to play. But I think Florida State, just player for player, is better than Florida. And that's going to be the result. You just never know, though, with a backup quarterback who doesn't have much experience. I mean, it's it's a whole new ball game for Florida State. And now, and how does the committee judge this, right? Um, Because... Uh, you go back to 2014 and, uh, you had the, the, the top two quarterbacks for Ohio State go down and then Cardell Jones comes in out of nowhere and, uh, Ohio State then thrashes Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game and then Ohio State would go on to beat Alabama. Remember Ezekiel Run- Elliott? Ezekiel Elliott. He's still running. Yeah. <laughs> He's still no. running. Alabama did <laughs> not tackle that man. No, no. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott made so much money against Alabama. It's unbelievable. Um, so it'll be interesting. Like, wh- how much does Florida State get penalized because of an injury? And it, I, it's absolutely not fair. But I think the committee, they factor that in. And um, I don't think it will necessarily impact Alabama if they end up winning out. Uh, but it could end up impacting uh, Washington, uh, Washington and, 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 uh, and, and whether or not a one loss Washington could jump a no loss Florida State team. I don't know. I'm kind of talking in circles here, but uh, there's just so many permutations and possibilities and we're getting down to the nitty gritty here. 
right? And uh, I guess if if you're Alabama, you just got to take care of business. Uh, it's all you can on, on Saturday, and then just have the best uh, performance of the year against Georgia. And yeah, technically it's a neutral side game, but you know, what do you, what do you when Alabama has played Georgia in the past at, in, in Atlanta? Has it, tech, has it been about a 50-50 split? Because that's how the tickets should, in theory, be split up, right, Matt? Yeah, so, I think so. So it wouldn't necessarily be uh, a de facto home game for Georgia. No, I don't think so because uh, Alabama's buying up tickets, and they have been since it was determined that, you know, East versus West is Georgia versus Alabama. Um, I don't think so, and I've been over there, and I didn't think so then either. Um, but I do know one thing. These games have always been fantastic. I mean, and, of course, the national championship game was different. Um, but you remember the one about 10 years ago where Georgia threw to a tight end with the, just a few seconds left and Alabama made the tackle down around the 10-yard line? Otherwise, mm-hmm. Georgia was going in to win the football game. They've yeah. all been pretty darn good football They've games. They've all been good. I mean, every, yeah, uh, I think, was that Aaron Murray who threw yeah. uh, that pass? Yeah, that was, so. uh, um, yeah, they've been just neck and neck. And, and by the way, Georgia, this is a team that is absolutely hitting on all cylinders. Their quarterback is playing with so much confidence. He's a different player than he was just a month ago and getting, uh, Brock Bowers back and, uh, and they, and this is what you want if you're Alabama, though. This is what you want. You want Georgia to be impressing the hell out of everybody in the country. And then if Alabama can go in, uh, probably being about a five, four or five point underdog and uh, beat Georgia, it would be really hard to keep Alabama out. It would be really hard. And once again, uh, a final team that's ahead of Alabama, Texas, defeated Iowa State 26-16. to I don't know if you saw the beginning of the game. Golly, what awful weather. Rainy, it was windy, it was cold as heck. Texas prevailed. Uh, That's a big road win, and uh, it's tough to play the Cyclones at home. But Texas prevailed, and they are still ahead of Alabama. But still, it was, a, it was just a 10-point win. I mean, yep. who, I go back. Like, who would be favored right now if those two teams met on a neutral field? Alabama by maybe 10? Really? Over Texas? Yes. Wow. I would have thought three. But anyway. Um, I, I, I could be wrong. I'll, I'll well, do some research. I'll call my I'll call my bookies here. Call your bookies and find out. All right. Um, when we got back, I want to uh, talk about one of the more amazing statistics that I've seen in college football in a long, long time. Kind of blew me away. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Philip 
M. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mild afternoon, clouds increasing, the high 71. Tonight, rain and thunderstorms moving in. There could be a few strong storms around, below 59. Tomorrow, cloudy and windy with rain ending during the morning, the high at 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up. Back on the show, Lars and Matt. Appreciate you folks diving us in. Uh, we'll be here the first couple of three days of the week, and I hope that uh, it glides you into a wonderful Thanksgiving again. A footnote here, but an important one. Keep an eye on the weather early evening through tomorrow morning. All right, it uh, could get um, could get bad. So, this part of the country in Alabama, we keep a good lookout. Just uh, keep James Spann on your speed dial. Actually, just keep Matt. I. Um... I just texted my guy, my uh, my Vegas guy, and he said on a neutral field, Alabama would be a 10-point favorite against Texas. So, right now. Wow. I would probably take Texas, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm, Have you I'm been watching very, Texas? very surprised. Texas has not lost, right, to anybody but Oklahoma. I've been watching them. But, yeah, I don't think it's 10 points. But, you know, we agree to disagree. Um there is a team that has put up some numbers this year that just boggle my mind. This is a Power 5 team, okay? They have the seventh best defense in the nation. They only give up 12.4 points per game. Meanwhile, they have the worst of 133 FBS teams in offense. They only score 18.5 points per game. Yet, Lars, you know who I'm talking about, right? Probably Iowa or Nebraska. I'm not sure. It's, well, <laughs> here, here's the one that separates those two. The Hawkeyes are 9-2. and two. Yeah. They have the worst <laughs> offense in America, and they're 9-2. and two. I don't believe I've ever heard anything like that. Yeah, it is a incredibly crazy stat, and uh, thank you for allowing me to mention Nebraska at the uh, on the last segment. Didn't know if I was going to be able to get it in there uh, and keep the uh, streak going at uh, 794 straight shows where I mentioned Nebraska. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, Nebraska play in Iowa this week. And um, Nebraska needs the win to become bowl eligible. Hawkeyes uh, will end up playing uh, the winner of Michigan and Ohio State in the uh, Big Ten championship game. And no one on God's green gives Iowa a chance to win that game. So uh, basically the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, I think you can pencil them in. This Iowa team is, is crazy, right? I mean, they uh, their offense is so bad that the father, Kirk Friends, fired his son, who is the offensive coordinator. And they kept winning. <laughs> And they kept winning. And the thing is, but they got they got the best punter in the country. I mean, this guy is just the thunderfoot. He he will launch it, and he's not only just does he have a massively powerful leg. He can angle the ball, and uh, I'm pretty sure he leads the the, the country by a, a, a good distance in in uh, in, in punting. Um, and he could be the rare punter who gets drafted, you know, like fourth round. Uh, but so that's how Iowa wins with, with defense and offense that absolutely can't do anything other than it's a victory for them if they don't turn the ball over and, and an amazingly, uh, aggressive, strong, athletic, disciplined defense. Lars, you, you brought up Nebraska. So I have to ask you a question since you are a native and a big fan. Okay. You know, states have everything from a state flower to a state song to um, a state bird, you know, we're the yellow hammer. But I was goofing around Saturday night playing some trivia online. Love to do that stuff. I didn't know this, but some states actually have a state soft drink. Now, in places like, you know, Georgia, I can understand that. It'd be Coca-Cola. It's, you know, that's where it was formed and sound and made right there in Atlanta. But I found this very interesting, and I actually made a note and sent an email to myself to remind me to ask you, do you know what the official, and it said soft drink, of Nebraska is? Oh, man. And, and look, uh, not getting this is is no shame, okay? Because uh, it's not really even a soft drink. It's, that's what made it even funnier. And let me also say, wait, can, can you give me another? Those, can you give me another clue? It's not really a soft drink. <laughs> uh, and I have another great one. You ready? This will give it away, but it's a good way to give it away. Uh, this drink also plays cornerback for Alabama. <laughs> so, when, yeah, when we I, like our Kool Aid. Yeah, yeah, we true? love we love. I mean, did you drink it a lot when you were a kid? Did you drink Kool Aid a lot? I, from the age of uh, maybe two to ten, had a permanent 
red Kool-Aid mustache. Really? <laughs> and it's so funny. My da- Autumn, who is a spitting image of me in every single way, and including like how she she looks just like me, which is frightening, and she acts just like me, which is even more frightening. But she always has a, a like a she's always got food over on her face right (laughs) and she likes kool-aid and she has the kool-aid mustache she's rocking the kool-aid mustache all the time and i we have a a mustache it's just purple (laughs) (laughs) and that's not for grape and i am kidding so much but i remember do you remember taking kool-aid and putting it in an ice tray oh yeah yeah, and you put uh, t- toothpicks in it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess what I found out here is that maybe it is the official drink of Nebraska. And, of course, you had to go Big Red, right? Yeah, and as the uh, the official uh, adult beverage in Nebraska is red beer. And that's tomato juice and beer. I still don't know. I could try it. I could we'll, try. We'll, it. we'll try. Like, yeah, just like a, a it's right. like Coors, Coors Light and and tomato juice. My um my homework for tomorrow is to find out what the official soft drink or drink or soda whatever for uh, Alabama is. I'll I'll have that information for you tomorrow, and I'm sure that will hold all our listeners for 22 hours. <laughs> yeah. Lars, uh, let's do it again. Thanks, Noah. Let's do it again. Thanks, Noah. It's back, the Captain.